Take your Bibles, if you would, go to James, and we're going to start at James chapter 5. Now, I left my normal Bible in my sleeping bag at camp, so I'm using a different one, and I'm not as familiar with uh, where everything is, so give me just a moment to find that. James chapter 5, if you would turn there, and we're going to uh, go through a, a Bible study tonight, and here's the title of it, How Does God Expect His Children to treat each other. I'm going to switch microphones here to the wireless. How does God expect his children to treat each other? Now, this is quite an uh, quite a extensive study, long study. We're not going to be able to dive deep into this tonight. Um, but I want to I take a little bit of time, probably um, spread this out over two different Wednesday nights and break it up because I do want to have plenty of time for our prayer time this evening. But uh, James chapter 5 and verse number 7 and how many of you, you, you've read through the book of James? Anybody read through the book of James? Let me encourage you to do that. If you haven't done it before, it's only five chapters and just really, really good. A lot of it, most of it, in fact, is how Christians ought to treat each other and how God expects his children to treat each other is our, our lesson tonight. But here's what I want you to understand. When you think of God's children, who do you think of? And some people will say, well, I would just think of everybody because everybody is God's child. Well, that's not true. Now, God created everybody and uh, God is everybody's creator, but God is not everybody's father. Um, whenever somebody trusts Jesus Christ as their savior, God becomes their father. So we've got to understand that although some people say we are all God's children, that is not true. We are all God's creation. So this is written to God's children, the brothers in Christ, and that would be brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are saved. So how does God expect His children to treat each other? Who are God's children? Well, if you're saved, you are God's child. So that means there's some instructions here for how we are supposed to treat each other. People in the church, how we're supposed to treat each other. But it's not just relationships of people in church. I want you to think about some other people who are God's children. This might blow you away. If you're a parent and your children are saved, you are all God's children. That means as a parent, you are a brother or sister in Christ to those children who are also saved. Now, that doesn't mean we're on equal footing and they can you know, you know, tell us, hey, no, you can't tell me what to do because we're all God's children. We're equal. Now, you're still, you're still a parent there. But understand this. We need to learn how to treat even our children as brothers and sisters in Christ. Other people in church, we need to learn how to treat them as brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm going to give you five points and we're only going to actually teach and preach through two of them tonight. Um, but, but I'm going to give them to you right now. Then we'll jump into this Bible study. So first of all, Actually, let's read this. Uh, James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. I'll give you five uh, thoughts, and then we'll dig deep into two of them. Uh, James chapter 5, verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. 
Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Uh, the rest of the chapter is talking about praying for each other and the, um, the power of prayer. We're not going to get into that tonight. We'll get to that another time. So you've got, you've got some thoughts here. First of all, God expects his children to be patient with each other. We'll develop that here a little bit more. Uh, God expects his children not to hold grudges against each other. God expects his children to willingly suffer affliction. Now listen to this, from each other and because of each other, and to willingly suffer affliction. God expects His children to not put themselves in His position by promising what does not belong to them. All right, so we're only going to actually dive deep into a couple of those, but first of all, I want you to notice a couple of things. Look at chapter 5, verse 10. Chapter 5, 10. The Bible says this, Take my brethren, set off by commas, the prophets, that's, a, that's a, a phrase of direct address, I believe that's what it's called. It's set off by commas. Take my brethren, the prophets, who's spoken in the name of the Lord. Now, who is that verse written to? Take my brethren, the prophets, who've spoken in the name of the Lord. Who's he writing to? He's writing to two words, my brethren. All right, so this, uh, that, that verse, this little teaching right here, is written to brethren. That is Christians, that is believers. Look at chapter 5, verse um, let's see, let's look at verse 7. Let's look at verse 7, chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore. Now you got this comma again in the word brethren, and then that comma again. This is, this is a, a direct address. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Are you, are you comfortable talking to me tonight? All right. All right, so who's that written to? Written to? Brethren. Okay, so the first one written to my brethren, second one written to brethren. You're going to see this pattern, chapter 5, verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren. All right, chapter 5, verse 12. But of all things, my brethren. Swear not. You're seeing who this is written to over and over again. This is not written to the lost world. This is written to us. This is written to Christians. This is how Christians ought to get along with each other over and over and over. Lesson after lesson, here's, if you are a Christian, how you ought to get along with each other. Chapter 5, verse 19. Brethren, if any of you, er, do, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So all, this, this chapter, these lessons are for Christians. It is how brothers and sisters in Christ, how God's children are supposed to treat each other and get along with each other. Okay, so I'm going to give you two of them. We're going to dive deep tonight into two of them, but not all of them. All right, first of all, God expects his children to be patient with each other. Chapter 5, verse 7. Did you see that? Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. Here's the example. And hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. The husbandman is the person who takes care of the garden, the person that takes care, in this case, the, the grapevine there. He's waiting for the early rain. He's waiting for the latter rain. Eventually, he's going to have a harvest. And God says, listen, brethren, Christians, be patient until when? Until the coming of the Lord. 
Chapter 5, verse 8, Be ye also patient, like the husband, like the farmer. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Why are we supposed to be patient with each other? Well, he said, Behold, uh, unto the coming of the Lord, and then for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Look, Jesus is coming back. There will be a day when Jesus comes back. We're going to be together forever with him. I want to encourage you to be patient with each other. Sometimes we get frustrated with each other. Maybe there's another Christian and we think, oh, I just, I just can't handle that person. I can't stand being around that person. Wait a minute. Jesus is coming back. And the Bible says, Jesus is the one that said this. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And if I go, I will come again to receive you unto myself. I want you to think about this. If I'm a Christian and I can't stand that other Christian... Maybe it's another Christian in our church. Maybe it's another Christian across town. Maybe it's another person. Yeah, I know they're a Christian, but I just, I just can't stand them. I just can't handle looking at them. I just want to be, be in the same room with this other Christian. You'd be surprised at just how often that, that is the, the, the mentality we have towards other believers. It ought not to be that way. But Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm preparing a mansion for you. What, what's going what's to happen if he puts you right next door to that person up in heaven? The Lord's coming back, and we're going to live in heaven forever with him. And I want you to keep that in mind. God expects his children to be patient with each other, like a, par a farmer's patient for the harvest. Look, harvest will come, but the rain has to come first. And then time has to pass. And then rain has to come, the early and the latter rain. And then more time has to pass. And then finally, the harvest will come. Jesus is coming back. Everything's going to turn out okay eventually in the end. But until then, we've got some waiting to do. There's some rain that's going to happen. There's some good and there's some bad that's going to happen in life. Just be patient with each other. When we mistreat each other, we need to be patient with each other. And when others mistreat us, we need to be patient with each other. I'm going to give you some examples of us mistreating each other from James chapter, well, uh, chapters 3, 4, and 5. So look at chapter 3, verse 2. There will be times when somebody mistreats you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever... Don't raise your hand. Please sit on your hands for just a moment. Have you ever been mistreated at church? Have you ever had somebody do something wrong to you? Which I have. I think all of us have. Um, so when somebody mistreats you, when we mistreat each other as Christians, we just got to, hey, let's be patient with each other. In your marriage, some of you are married here tonight. You married a sinner. Your husband or your wife, your spouse married a sinner. We both need to learn to be patient with each other. Your best friends, if they're Christians, they're still sinners. All right, look at James chapter 3, verse 2. The Bible says this, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. We're all going to offend somebody. We're going to offend others with, with the way we act, sometimes with the way we talk. Now, we ought not to. We're not supposed to. This is not an excuse to say, well, James said it's okay because we're going to do it anyway. No, just understand, we're going to. We're not supposed to, but we're going to. Let's be patient with each other. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. We need to learn to be patient when we mistreat each other. Chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? That's, that's a horrible statement. Just right there, that question. There's the answer in a minute. Where do the wars and fightings come from? Why do we, in church, we, we fuss and, and fight and war with each other? In our families. Where do the wars and fightings come from in relationships? Well, he answers that. But before we get to the answer, we need to understand, sometimes we don't get along with each other. Sometimes we mistreat each other. Sometimes somebody's going to do something that you would consider, hey, that was an act of war right there. You, you took my spot in church. 
All right? You don't take my spot. Um, that, that's a, that's a, my parking spot. That's my sitting spot, my pew, whatever it is. Um, so that's going to happen. Where, did that, where does that come from? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, the war in your members? Okay, so it's not good. It's a sin, but it still happens. Let's learn to be patient with each other. Other people in the church are going to mistreat us. We're going to mistreat others. Verse 2, James 4, verse 2, You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have. These are horrible things. And cannot obtain. You fight and war. He's writing this to believers. He's writing this to brethren. He's describing us. <laughs> He's describing New Testament Christians. He says you're fighting with each other. You war with each other. Yeah, these, these are things that are going to look. You're going to do this on bad days. Be patient with each other. The Lord is coming, and his, his, his coming is nigh. It's going to happen, but, but be patient with each other in the meantime. Chapter 5, verse 5. We, we mistreat each other. We need to learn to be patient with each other. Chapter 5, 5. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished, that's just like doing whatever you want to do. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Verse 6. Ye have condemned and killed the just and he does not resist you. So some of this stuff is really, really bad. But then in chapter 5, he says, look, I want you to be patient with each other. Be patient with each other. Look, every one of us has a past. Every one of us has some kind of baggage in our life. Every one of us has messed up somewhere. Maybe, maybe it was before we were saved. Maybe it was after we were saved. It doesn't really matter. You trust Christ, your Savior. It's all under the blood, as, as we sang tonight. He forgave every bit of it. But it's still there in the past. Our marriages, we've got to be careful because both people in a marriage have a past. We've both done things that maybe we're, um, we're not the most proud of from our past, but we need to understand God expects His children to be patient with each other when we mistreat each other. And then when others mistreat us, you know what's going to happen? Sometimes other people bring, bring stress. Okay, married, married couple. We're doing good. Uh, we're, we're, our relationship's going well. And then some outside influence causes trouble in our marriage. And you know who we get mad at? Each other. We fuss with each other. The devil's a perfect example of that. He will bring, um, bring fighting into our marriage. He'll bring some kind of influence into our marriage. And instead of getting mad at the devil, we get mad at each other. We get upset with each other. We've got to be so patient. When other people mistreat us, let's still be patient with each other. James chapter 2, verse 6. I'm pulling everything from James tonight. <clears throat> the Bible says this, But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat? So here's an example. Other people mistreating us. And he says, look, I want you to be patient. Be patient. Be patient, therefore, unto the coming of the Lord, even when other people mistreat you. Chapter 5, verse 10. If you look at that, he gives us an example. Take, my brother, and the prophets who've spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. You go back and you think through some of the prophets. I'll give you one example. The prophet Jeremiah. Maybe you've studied him. Maybe you've read about him. Jeremiah said what God said to say. Thus saith the Lord, and he preached what God said to say. The people got so mad, they threw him in the dungeon. If you remember the story, the Bible says when he got thrown into the dungeon, he sank in the mire. It's so na that's nasty. I'm just thinking about how it smelled. You ever walked through a swampy area where it's just like, when you walk, it's like, correct, because that nasty mud is just like pulling on your shoes. Well, that's where Jeremiah was thrown into this dungeon, sank into the mire. He was persecuted. 
A lot, lot of the prophets went through so many horrible things. And God says, look, take those prophets for an example. And you just go ahead and be patient with each other. Be patient with each other because the coming of the Lord is nigh. So how does God expect his children to treat each other? First of all, God expects his children to be patient with each other. James 5 says where we got it. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 8, just like the husbandmen, be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now the second way, and this is the goal, we're only teaching two tonight. The second way God expects his children to treat each other, God expects his children to not hold grudges against each other. Look at chapter 5, verse 9. Chapter 5, verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Let me try to explain that to you. We won't take a whole lot of time on it tonight, but let me try to explain that a little bit. Don't hold something that a brother or sister has done wrong against them. That's holding a grudge. You know, you know what holding a grudge is? It's, a, it's like that. Is, that. is that the same thing as a chip on your shoulder? Is, is that, is that, that's maybe something different. Somebody does something wrong to you, and you think, i got to get them back. I've got to, I got to pay him back. I remember, he's in heaven now, but my, my friend, um, Shannon Key. How many of you knew Shannon? Anybody know Shannon? Okay, some of you knew Shannon. We grew up together, and um, I would go to his house, and his mom would babysit us. I was, I was more of the um, compliant kind, kind of just to kind of get along with everybody kind. But that's not who Shannon was. Shannon was very, like, Going to be in charge, kind. When we would play, okay, so the, 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 the show that was cool at the time was Magnum P.I. Anybody ever, okay, so this, this private investigator. He always wanted to be the private investigator, and I always had to be the bad guy. And I was at his house, so he's like, you're in my house, I get to choose. And so, so we, we, were, we were always just like this at each other. And um, so he would do something, he'd, he'd hit me or throw something at me or do something to me, and I'd feel like I needed to get him back, you know, hit him back. You know, just kind of make it even. If, he, if, if, if uh, he trips me, I'm going to trip him back. If he throws something at me, I'm going to throw something back. If he hits me, I'm going to hit him back. And what happened invariably was this. We would forget who started it. And we would always think the other person started it. So whenever the other person started it, we would always feel like it was our job to pay him back. But whenever you'd pay him back, the other person thought that you started it. So now it would, just, it would never end. So basically, that's what we do as, as Christians so many times. And we hold something that a brother or a sister has done wrong, and we hold it against them. That's, that's holding this grudge. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Here's why. You are not their judge. This is really important for us, us to understand. I gave you a, a silly example of me and Shannon fussing with each other. Oh, but it happens so often in our lives. Somebody at church... Or somebody in our family, our children, our husband, our wife, somebody does something and they hurt us. It happens. You have, if you are in church today, and you are, there's a good chance somebody in church has mistreated you, done something wrong to you, whether knowingly or not they've offended you. That happens. It happens in church. Why? Because we're people. We are sinful people. We get together. You get sinful people together, somebody's going to get offended. It's just going to happen. And so somebody has offended you at some point. Listen, you are not their judge. 
What does it mean about judge? What does it mean to be the judge? The judge is the one who decides that the person is guilty and what their punishment ought to be. That's what the judge does. And the Bible is telling us here, listen, do not grudge one against another. Don't hold a grudge against them and do not be their judge. I'll show you a couple of verses about this in a minute. Just choose not to be the judge of the person who has offended you. As people who will be judged, we are not in the position to judge others. Oh, we've got to be so careful with this. We will stand before God. We deserve to be judged. He is going to judge us. But you got to remember this. He's also going to judge the other person. When somebody does something wrong to me, I can be sure that God's going to take care of that. God will be their judge. God will take care of what that person has done. And it's so tempting for me to say, oh, I've got to pay him back. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya, right? You killed my brother, prepare to die. Revenge. Okay, I probably shouldn't have quoted that in church. But revenge is what we, 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 a lot of times, you know, that motivates us. Sometimes there, there are people, and I've met people, and it's like they are living to pay back somebody who hurt them in the past. What I want you to get from this, God is the judge. He's going to take care of being their judge. So you don't have to. In judging them, you're setting yourself up to be judged. Let's look at that verse again. James chapter 5, verse 9. James 5, 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Look at this. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. God is the judge. He's not maybe judging them right now, so we get frustrated. Look, they did this to me, and, and they're getting away with him. God, look, God, they, they hurt me. They mistreated me. Whatever it was, they misused me. They abused me. Whatever it was. And some of those things are really huge, horrible, horrible things that happen. Yes, but you need to understand, the judge is standing at the door. He's about to walk in. He's going to come in. He is going to judge. He's going to take care of that. So you can feel the freedom to step back and just realize God's standing there. He's the judge. He's about to walk in the door. He has not judged them yet. And, and he's not taking care of them yet. The punishment hasn't happened yet. But it will. So many times we get frustrated. We get upset. We get impatient. And, and we think God's not doing anything about it, so I'm going to. Right? God was busy, so he sent me. And I'm, I'm going to take care of this. That's not what we ought to do. The judge is standing at the door. Okay, a couple more thoughts here. If in judging them, you're setting yourself up to be judged. If you are judged, listen to this, based on the same criteria that you're judging them, you're going to be condemned. I will. So I get upset at somebody else. They mistreat me. They abuse me. So I say, now I'm going to do something wrong to them because they did something wrong to me. And in becoming their judge and dealing out the punishment to them, now I become guilty and God's going to judge both of us. I would rather step out of it and say, okay, God, I know you're standing at the door. You're going to come in. You're going to take care of it. I don't want to get in your way. I don't want to get judged as well. I'll step back and let you take care of that person who mistreated me or offended me or, or who needs to be judged. This is such a huge principle that if Christians would get this, you're going to be freed of a lot of bitterness. 
You're going to be freed of this weight that you're carrying around every single day. So I've met people, they wake up and their, their thought is, how am I going to pay them back? They go to bed thinking, how am I going to pay them back? And constantly thinking, how, how can I make things right? Listen, if you could just step back and realize God's going to take care of it. He's standing at the door. He's going to take care of that punishment. And I don't want to put myself where I'm going to be punished also. I'm going to give you an illustration in a minute to help you see that. Let me give you some words first. Let God be their judge. A judge already exists. He's standing at the door. He's not judging yet, but he's ready to judge at any moment. If somebody has done something wrong to you, remember that God will judge them for it. But if you decide to be their judge, God will judge you also. Just step out of the way. We call that forgiving. Forgiving. Oh, forgiving's hard. Forgiving's a very difficult thing. Because the world says, forgive and forget. I know I teach this a lot. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches forgive and remember that it's been forgiven. What a difference. You can't forget. Somebody does something wrong to you, and somebody, just comes, and somebody comes along and says, just forgive and forget. I can't forget that. It was too, it was too bad. If it's in my mind, I, I can't forgive that. No, you don't have to forget that. Forget, forgive means I'm stepping out of being their judge. I'll let God take care of that. He will take care of that. I'm not going to forget it. I'm going to remember that I stepped out of being their judge. I'm going to forgive and remember that it's forgiven. Let God be their judge. Let God determine their consequences. And listen to this. If you can do that, you will be free. There's so much bitterness that so many Christians are carrying because they want to make sure somebody gets judged. If we can step back and say, God's standing at the door. He's the judge. Grudge not one against another. I'm going to step back. I'm going to forgive, understanding that God's going to take care of it. I'll let him take care of the consequences. I don't have to worry about that. God will take care of that. I'll step out, let God do his job that he said he was going to do. A lot of Christians that don't deserve God's judgment are putting themselves in a position to be judged by God because they've chosen to be the judge of someone that's hurt them. Are you putting your position, are you putting yourself in a position to be judged that you don't have to be in? I'm going to give you an illustration. Have you ever seen that game? It's on TV. We did it at youth conferences last year. It's called Wipeout. Brother Brandon, I'm going, to, I'm going to move. Are you up there in the, in the media booth? I'm going to move down to the floor. We may have to move the camera. How many of you have seen that, that game? It's, it's where this, this beam spins around like this. I'm going to need some volunteers here in a minute. All right. So the beam spins around, and you've got to avoid it. Right? Sometimes it's low. It spins around, and you got to jump over it. Sometimes it, it spins around, and you got to duck it. How many of you know what I'm talking You've seen that, a game like that. Okay. So they had it at youth conference, and I actually got to play. We went to California, and it was a big inflatable thing, so it didn't hurt you. Um, so there's this platform you had to stand on, and when this beam came by, you had to jump over it. Or the beam came by like this, and you had to duck under it. Now, here's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture this is God's judgment, this beam. All right, And it's going to come by. And uh, who wants to be my volunteer tonight? Brother Enrique, can I use you as a volunteer? I won't knock you over, but I just need somebody else. You, want, you can be the spinner person. All right, you be the spinner, all right? Just don't hurt me, all right? So see, here's, here's the way. Brother, Brother Enrique will be God's, God's judgment, all right? 
Okay, no, the practice of full spin here, just so we know what we're, what we're doing here. All right, so all the way. So that's God's judgment, okay? Now, back up God's judgment here just for a minute. All right, so I'm right here on this little platform, and I have got, I, this is my life. <sighs> Try to make this, this real. Um, James, I need your help. Come here. All right, so James, you stand right over here for a minute. I'll, I'll be the bad guy here. You be me, all right, for just a minute. All right, so here's God's judgment. I'm the bad guy. I have a, you just be you. I have offended James. I mistreated James. I did something wrong to James, all right? And here comes God's judgment, all right? And I see, I, I'm going to duck it. I'm good. Just keep going. And what happens is eventually, I, if I keep doing that, I'm dodging God's judgment. And James is over there is like, Arr! Keep going, Brother Enrique. Ow, this hurts. All right. He's thinking, when is it ever going to happen? When's he ever actually going to face God? Can you do a low one? Can you do, low, can you do that? All right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step over it like that. And I, I miss God's judgment. And here's James. Okay, you can pause for it. All right. He, he's going to get dizzy. If all, huh? James is thinking, he offended me. He hurt me. He did something wrong to me. When's he going to get judged by God? When's he going to do it? All right, so he's getting frustrated because I'm dodging God's judgment. It seems like, Psalms talks about this a lot. Um, Why do the wicked, uh, why are the the wicked so prosperous? Why does everything seem to be going right for the wicked, but they should be facing God's judgment? So here's what James is tempted to do. Here's what he's going to do. Now go ahead and go ahead and keep, here's God's judgment. I won't make you go too long. I'm over here dodging God's judgment. So James says, I'm going to take care of it. All right, so he steps in. Go, go past me. Now, pause right there. James steps in, and he's like, I'm going to take care of God's judgment. I'm going to take care of making sure you pay for what you did to me. But God's judgment's still coming. And what James has done is he has voluntarily stepped in to the place where I'm going to get judged eventually. Now he's stepping in, and now who's going to get judged? James. So what he has done is he, is, he was the one who was offended. He's innocent, but he has stepped in the way of God's judgment. And he's going to have to face God's judgment now too because he has decided to judge me. Does that make sense? He's, he didn't have to. He was out here. He was, he was safe from God's judgment. If James could just do this, go back over there, James. If James could just see God's perspective, you okay, hold on, okay. If, if James could just see God's perspective, judgment's coming. It's going to happen. And I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get whacked by that thing. It's going to hurt. It's going to knock me off this platform. God's going to take care of me. If James could see that and just decide, you know what? God's going to take care of it. I'm just going to go on about my life. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm not going to watch it every day to make sure it happens. I'm just going to turn my back and I'm just going to go about my life. And God will take care of that person that has hurt me. Okay, so the verse. Grudge not one against another. What does that mean? It means I have hurt James or he thinks I've hurt him. I've offended him for whatever reason. That is James. Come over here, James. It is him stepping into 
God's judgment so he can judge me. But in doing that, God is going to judge him as well. It's so important for us to understand this. Instead of doing that, this is where a lot of us are right now. A lot of Christians, we are right here. We are facing God's judgment unnecessarily. Somebody has wronged us. We decide, I am going to get them back. In doing that, we set ourselves up to be judged by God, and it's going to happen. Instead of that, James just decided, I'm going to forgive. I'm not going to forgive and forget, because it still happens over here. I'm going to forgive and remember I forgave it. And I'm going to trust that God, go ahead, Brother Rika, is going to take care of that. And he whacks me. God's going to take care of it. And James can sleep better tonight. James doesn't have to worry. He doesn't have to be thinking, what can I do to get him back? He can just forgive. Father, I pray that you would use this lesson in in a way that will help us all. Lord, I know that a lot of us struggle with uh, forgiving, and we want to make sure people pay the price for what they've done to us, but you've said not to grudge one against another, so I pray that you'd help us to learn that lesson. And, and maybe even right now there's a face, a person who has offended us, a person who has mistreated us. Person, I know I, I'm thinking of people. I know we all, we all do. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to step out of the role of being the judge and let you do that because you promised you'd take care of it. Help us to forgive. Help us to remember that it's forgiven. Help us to be patient with one another and help us not to grudge against one another. In Jesus' name, amen.